All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Wednesday, April 6th, and I'm joined by Matt Larkin, dailyfaceoff.com senior writer and managing editor. Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, Frank. I'm enjoying the new background. What you have going on there? Yep, just a little uh, little travel on some company business, some meetings to attend. So uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what comes out of that. And uh, we got a lot to talk about, Matt. You know, it was another crazy night in the hockey world. The Florida Panthers overcoming a serious deficit to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Lots of groans from Leaf fans. We'll get to that a bit later, but let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with this. Some interesting comments from Brendan Gallagher. It's kind of rare, Matt, that you see an NHL player sort of attack another one through the media, and that's exactly what he did with these comments after last night's game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators. When I was 10 years old, our coach had a rule. If you lay on the ice and we didn't have trainers, if the coach had to come on the ice and get you, you know, you're too hurt to play. You had to sit for minimum three shifts. He's a great player. Played against him for two, three years now. More than half the games we played against him, he's laid on the ice and he's right back out there next shift. He lays on the ice, he acts like he's hurt, he sells a call, he's on the ice, that same power play. It's, you know, there's kids watching, um, we're role models. If I was a teammate of his, I'd tell him to smarten up. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's just not a good look. Very talented player, very good player. 
needs to stop laying on the ice. It's embarrassing. Kind of feels like to me, Matt, that these comments aren't really a good look for Brendan Gallagher. So my question to you is fair or foul? I'm going to land on the side of foul. I think there's a bit of theater going on here. Brendan Gallagher, he knows what he's doing. He has a stage. He's got a good gift to the gab. And the role model comment, I think he just pushed it a little too far. He's taking an opportunity to embarrass Tim Stussel in the media. I'm not saying his comments are necessarily wrong. We have seen a tendency maybe to fall down, to flop. But there's a penalty for that. It's called embellishment. There can be a fine for that. You can let the officials sort that out. You don't have to dole it out in your comments to the media. And I think there is a bit of a stone in a glass house situation here. I was looking it up. Yes, Tim Stutzla, he's eighth in the NHL and penalties drawn for 60 minutes. Number one is Brendan Gallagher. I'm not saying Brendan Gallagher is a flopper or diver. I'm just saying you got to sell a couple calls once in a while if you're number one in the league in penalties drawn. Yeah, this is uh, quite the clip, quite the uh, few clips to show here of Brendan Gallagher, who is really no stranger of being on the ice at certain points of the game. And again, not saying that he's a flopper or that he's someone that embellishes, but he's certainly in that spot more often than not, it seems. And part of that's just a product of his play. I think everyone sort of league-wide universally is appreciative of Brendan Gallagher and the grind that's part of his game. But to call another player out like this, just not really something that we see all that often. So uh, I, I agree with your take there in that this is probably a little bit over the line, maybe his emotion or the stage gets the best of him. And also kind of subtly too, a little part of this is just a little message to referees from Brendan Gallagher. And I think that's kind of what we ultimately saw in the comments from Pat Maroon over the weekend as well. Just sending a subtle, not you know, not saying, just saying message to the NHL referees and officials. Got to talk about the Nashville Predators who have continued their assault. And also the season that Ryan Johansson and the Preds have had, Matt Duchesne, as really bounce back campaigns. You know, I was looking back the other day as, as we were talking about April Fool's, Matt, and talking about some of our foolish picks that we made at the start of the season. And I was looking at our dailyfaceoff.com staff predictions and across the board, everyone that was working for us then said that the Nashville Predators would finish in seventh place in the Central Division. Here they are uh, in a well-earned playoff spot, a team that's been grinding it out all season long. They've found some consistency and they've gotten some big campaigns from guys, frankly, that making $8 million a year should be big time contributors. But to this point in their Preds, sort of history, haven't been able to put it all together until now. That's right. And I kind of understand in hindsight why the prediction would have put them seventh, because it's not like the Predators made a bunch of huge upgrades in the offseason. All of these improvements, or almost all of them, are coming internally from veteran guys who we thought had established levels of production. And it's been very fascinating. You know, there's been talk about Roman Yossi being a Hart Trophy candidate, but we can't discount the contributions the Predators have gotten from their forwards. Philip Forsberg has 38 goals. Matt Duchesne is 36. Even Ryan Johansson has 20 goals. And I know if you look at Duchesne and Johansson, they both have career highs in shooting percentage. So there is a little bit of puck luck there. But I think what you're seeing is Johansson having, you know, more capable targets to get the biscuit too. Tanner Janot has been a really nice addition. Michael Granlund has found his game as well. And Matt Duchesne, to me, he has an established career pattern of bouncing back. It's it's very similar. I saw it with Marion Gabrick throughout his career, with Alex Kovalev throughout his career, I think with Jeff Skinner as well. Matt Duchesne is one of those guys who just, he has peaks and valleys and he has a crisis of confidence. He has a bad year. He so often has bounced back in his career and we're seeing that yo-yo effect again. 
there was never any doubting his speed, his hands, his talent. So it kind of makes sense. Does it though? I mean, you, you look at, just look at Duchesne's numbers side by side there from six goals last year in a shortened season and, and also an injury riddled season all the way to 36. I know that he's a guy that has peaks and valleys, but because his game, I feel like is a little bit easier to pick apart than some others. How many people would have really seen this coming? I think nobody. That's fair. I don't think anyone in the world could have predicted we'd have Matt Duchesne tracking for maybe even 40 goals for the first time in his career. But it does reflect a pattern he's had. He has shown an ability to sort of rededicate himself, wake up. And I can't say I'm confident he's going to do it again next year. We've seen the pattern. He might have another down year next year. But after that, it might be another good year. It just seems to be the pattern of his career so far. Yeah, what a season for the Preds and particularly for their offense. That seems like, for whatever reason, one of those franchises that's just been starved for offense. You look at the years that Roman Yossi's putting together, as you mentioned, knocking on the door of 100 points to be the first 100-point defenseman in almost 30 years. Duchesne, Johansson, you know, uh, Philip Forsberg, those guys all having fantastic years. And so uh, certainly have proven a lot of us wrong. And it's going to be interesting to see with a guy like UC Soros and Net what kind of damage, if any, they can do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we're not having this conversation about Soros, but let's play a little game, Matt. Who is your game one starter? And it's fun because you can play this game with a lot of different teams throughout the National Hockey League. But, you know, let's throw some of these teams up there. We've got the Los Angeles Kings the Washington Capitals, maybe even the Minnesota Wild. Yes, they acquired Marc-Andre Fleury, but Cam Talbot, uh, he's played quite well this season. So let's go through the list, starting with the Wild. Who's your game one starter, Talbot or Fleury? First off, I want to shout out this game. I love it. It's a lot of fun to do stuff like this. I'm going to say Marc-Andre Fleury. Let's not overthink this. It's a conditional first-round pick surrendered in the trade. You're not giving that up to park a future Hall of Famer and reigning Vezina Trophy winner on the bench. He's got a 930 save percentage since joining the team. Great story what Cam Talbot has done, but it's flower. Let's be honest here. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there on Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, What about the Los Angeles Kings? So you have Cal Peterson, who's certainly been better of late, had struggled for a large stretch of the season, and it comes sort of at the same time that Jonathan Quick's numbers have regressed a bit. It's a tough one because, of course, Jonathan Quick has a track record as one of the all-time clutch goaltenders in NHL history in the playoffs. 922 career save percentage, Conn Smythe Trophy winner. But it's been four years since he even competed in a playoff series. That athletic style, it's very taxing on his body. And I just don't know if he's got what it takes to carry the load for a full series anymore. I think you start with Cal Peterson. You can always give the net back to Jonathan Quick if Peterson falters. Sort of like a Grubauer-Holtby situation in 2018. Yeah, and I like that too, because if you can build any sort of confidence in Peterson, he's your guy moving forward with that $5 million contract. What about the Edmonton Oilers, Miko or Mike? I'm smiling because I want to answer neither, but I have to choose one. Uh, Here's the thing with Mike Smith, okay? He's got the warrior mentality. Number two in NHL history in playoff save percentage, 931. He had one terrible game in the bubble, but other than that, He's proven himself time and again. Maybe you can get some 2006, 2011 Dwayne Rolison magic out of the gray beard. And Miko Koskinen has shown a tendency to wear down with larger workloads. Eileen Mike Smith. I can't believe I just said those words with my mouth on purpose. Yeah, I mean, look, I think a lot of Oiler fans would sit back and say, can we have an alternate answer here in Stuart Skinner? It seems like for whatever reason, the Oilers just don't want to give him any sort of 
long run in net, it's one of the two. And it seems like at the moment, at least, that it's Mike Smith. So that brings us to the Washington Capitals, likely the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Samsonov or Vanacek? I think maybe this is the toughest call on the list. We know Samsonov. Samsonov is supposed to be the heir apparent. He's the guy with the pedigree, the first round pedigree. He's supposed to be the long-term star in net. But every opportunity he gets, he just cannot usurp Vanacek. Vanacek has been the better goaltender this year. He was last year. Even though he's faltered since the All-Star break, Samsonov has been worse. So I think you got to give the net to the guy who's been better, Vanacek. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know what happens there. It seems like they don't really have confidence in either guy. In fact, their general manager, Brian McClellan, made it clear that they were looking for a netminder at the deadline. So that's a really tough call. It's funny because some of these other teams and their goaltending situations, like we would have been asking the question a couple of months back with the St. Louis Blues, Billy Huso or Jordan Bennington. I think we've answered that question now and it's going to be Billy Huso. What happens with that situation in the summer? Lots to look forward to as the goaltending, the game of goaltending musical chairs spins once again this summer. So some sad news for the New Jersey Devils um, earlier in the week. Jack Hughes is going to sit out the remainder of the season. He has a slight MCL or low-grade MCL sprain in his knee. They're not going to push it. You know, just a few weeks left in the season. So Jack Hughes is going to end up sitting out. But his season was fantastic. He really lived up to all the expectations that came with signing a massive ticket right at the start of the season, two games in, eight years, $8 million a year for $64 million total. My question to you is, because Hughes was able to take the next step in his career and his game, who is your candidate to be a breakout type star for next season? Who's one guy that you're keeping an eye on that you're saying, I think he can get to that same or similar type level next year? Well, you can usually look under the hood at some of the advanced stats and see the predictive elements. And that was the case for Jack Hughes. He didn't on paper and surface stats advance as much as expected last year, but he did under the hood. All those metrics, chance generation, shot generation, they were there. So I'm looking at someone else who's showing those signs under the hood. And for me, it's Eric Branstrom, defenseman, the Ottawa Senators. He was, of course, the centerpiece of the 2019 Mark Stone trade, supposed to be sort of another Thomas Shabbat, a great puck mover from the left side, maybe even with an Eric Carlson type of ceiling. The talent was perceived to be that high. It's taken him a long time to find his feet at the NHL level, sort of gain his confidence. But with Shabbat breaking his hand, it created an opportunity for Brandstrom. He's on the top pair with Artem Zub, and they have statistically been the best pair all season for the Ottawa Senators in terms of tilting the ice in their team's favor, chance generation, and chance prevention. So to me, it's a, it's great to sort of see Brandstrom get that runway because we know, of course, he's not waiver exempt next season. He's got to stick. He's got to sink or swim. And I think this last, this sort of late season audition is crucial for him. And we're going to see that breakout happen next year. That's pretty bold. I know some Sens fans watching might think, hmm, I don't know about that. Uh, we'd love to see it, but he hasn't really shown it entirely so far that he can put it all together. My guy is Seth Jarvis. You look at the Carolina Hurricanes and how well they've played this year. Jarvis has been a big part of that. And I'm not sure that people fully rec recognize or grasp exactly how young he is. He's the fifth youngest player in the NHL to play a full season this year. And you look at his production, the way that he stepped into the league, 13 goals, 28 points. If given some more opportunity next year, which seems likely because the Carolina Hurricanes are another one of those teams that's going to have some salary cap decisions or considerations to make what happens with guys like Seth, uh, uh, Vincent Trocek and some other guys in their lineup, they're not really going to be able to keep everyone. 
So is there a chance that Seth Jarvis continues to move up the lineup? And if so, he's bound to probably increase his production a bit. He's been fantastic for the Carolina Hurricanes, and it's going to be a big part of whatever they do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, Matt, let's get to Chris Peters for another edition of The Next Wave. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff show, Chris Peters, our prospect and NHL draft analyst who is Boston bound for another edition of the uh, next wave delivered by DoorDash. So I mentioned that, Chris, that you'll be heading to Boston for the Frozen Four this weekend. And certainly we'll have our eye on a number of top prospects from around the NHL. Everyone's expecting Owen Power to soon join the Buffalo Sabres for their last few weeks of the season after closing out his career at Michigan. But I wanted to ask you about Matt Nyes. From a Toronto perspective, there's been lots of talk about Nyes even going back to the deadline. He is one guy the Toronto Maple Leafs were not willing to move. My question to you is, is Nyes ready to step into the NHL? Well, that's uh, that's a big question, you know, and I think it, the excitement around him is warranted because he's a big guy, six foot three, solidly built, you know, over 200 pounds. He is watching college players just bounce off of him this year. And on top of that, he's got great hands. He's got a great shot, you know, so all of these things kind of combine. Um, the interesting thing is, is do I think he can do the same things he's doing in college now at the NHL level quite yet? I'm not as convinced. And so, you know, I think that the Maple Leafs absolutely could you know, bring him in and give him a look and, and get him, you know, some time. But I don't think he's going to necessarily make the impact right away. I have a lot of faith in him as a prospect. I think he's got a super high ceiling. I think he's way better than anybody thought that he was going to be, um, you know, making him a second round pick last year. So for me, I think that there's still some things that he needs to work on before he can take that next step. Um, but, you know, I, I can definitely understand Toronto's, you know, urgency with him because he is something that they don't have. He is a guy that can play a variety of roles at this point. You know, I just, I question if, you know, if his pace will be there, if he's able to play and think the game at an NHL pace yet. Um, I think he's, uh, he, he's trending in that direction. I am not convinced that he's a hundred percent there yet. And I don't think you ever want to be in a situation where you need a prospect to come in. You want to make sure that they arrive when ready. Um, you don't want to have to push the push the envelope there a little bit. So for me, I still think that there's more for him to work on. I wouldn't necessarily bring him out right away um, and, and try to get him into the lineup or try to get him, you know, right into playoff pace right away. I don't think this is a Kale McCarr situation or even a Cole Caulfield situation from last year. I just know that he's a lot better than we thought he was going to be, and I think that he's only on the only scratching the surface of what he can become. <laughs> Chris, you have a great preview of the Frozen, Frozen Four on our website right now, Daily Faceoff. And, and reading that yesterday when you posted it and also seeing your tweets, I can feel the palpable excitement you have about this year's tournament in particular. So what is it about this field of four that makes it extra special in your mind? Yeah, I mean, there, there are so many things, Matt. And, and really, it starts with the fact that all three of the Hobie Hattrick finalists are in the Frozen Four this year. You've got uh, Dryden McKay, the goaltender for Minnesota State. You've got Ben Myers, the number one free agent in college hockey this year. And he plays for Minnesota. And then you've got Bobby Brink, who's the leading scorer in the country playing for Denver. Then you look at Michigan and you've got seven first-round draft picks on their roster, including four of the last five from the last draft. 
41 draft picks in total, which is a, probably a record. It's certainly the most that we've had in the last five years. Um, you know, there are 41 players that are drafted at NHL teams, over 25 teams or 25 teams represented in this Frozen Four, just among four teams. Um, and then you've also got this kind of crazy dichotomy between Minnesota State and Minnesota, where it's like this this blue-collar team and the, the blue-blood team uh, in the second matchup. And in the first matchup, you've got two of the most highly skilled teams and highest scoring teams in the country in Michigan and Denver. I mean, it just sets up for a really fun matchup between two teams on each side of the bracket that give you a little something of a different look. And there's a lot of NHL talent on the ice as well. Great coaches, great teams. The four highest scoring teams on a per game basis this year are in the frozen four right now. So I, I think we have a chance for real fireworks. I think they're evenly matched games. And I'm really excited to just see how those teams match up. Cannot wait to get to Boston uh, to see all of that because I think we're, we've got two phenomenal matchups and, and almost in an ideal circumstance. I think all four of these teams at one point or another we're in the mix to be the number one team in the polls and in the pairwise, which is used to help select the the criteria for for the for the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, you're looking at four of the best teams in the country, and it doesn't always work out that way this time of year because it is a single elimination tournament. We have that this season. All right, CP. With that said, give us your quick bracketology. Give us your winners of the three games set up, the first two, and then the final. Yeah, so I, I went eleven, not not to brag, but I went eleven for twelve in my in my so far in the tournament, and so my my championship matchup is still intact. So I'm going to stick with it. It's Michigan versus Minnesota. Yes, they are the two most hyped up teams. Yes, they are going to have difficult games in the semifinal, but I think both of those teams are playing some of their best hockey right now. They didn't have an easy road to get into the Minnesota in particular. Didn't have an easy road. Michigan just beat. Minnesota for the Big Ten championship game and one of the uh, one of their best overall performances of the season. So I've got those two teams in the championship game, and I've kind of been riding the Wolverines all year. I think there's so much skill; they have the ability to beat teams in so many different ways. Now I think they're they're really playing their best at this moment. So I'll stick with the Wolverines winning it all. Yeah, hard to go against that team with the amount of talent that they have on that roster. Enjoy it, Chris. We'll be watching. Can't wait to read about it on dailyfaceoff.com. This has been another edition of The Next Wave delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes at the bottom of your screen. D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada. D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. Chris, enjoy Boston. Thanks, guys. All right, Matt, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO, and my question for you is, give us one gif to describe the comeback cats and their win over the Toronto Maple Leafs on Tuesday night. Well, Frank, I have to throw back to my childhood when I was a diehard WWF at the time, not WWE, WWF fan, the heyday of The Undertaker rising out of that casket just when you think he's dead. He's never dead. You can never count him out. And that is the case with these Florida Panthers. 23 comeback wins this season. Unbelievable. And I think it's because they just have so many scoring threats on every line. Currently, seven players scoring at at least a 25-goal pace. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm also going to hearken back to my childhood, and this was a staple of it, and that is the rat. 
gotta have we gotta bring back the rat at some point mm-hmm. like i i i would have been that would have been me last night twirling the rat if i were a fan in florida that game was absolutely bananas um you know i'm sure leaf fans were sitting there groaning saying i can't believe this is happening again another huge lead that we found a way to squander and perhaps it's a playoff preview or perhaps it's what sheldon keith said after the game and their head coach basically saying hey at least we've proven on this trip through florida that we can hang with the best teams in the Atlantic. So that much is true. Looked pretty darn good against the lightning, not so good against the cats and blowing that lead. Uh, Still uh, three out of four points. Ain't bad for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's get to Tyler Uremchuk and our daily face off daily bet segment. How'd you do last night, Tyler? Not good. I wish my hot streak from a couple of weeks ago would have lasted just a couple days longer, but a tough night over two. Connor McDavid only picks up the one point. I feel like they should give me credit for him scoring the OT winner, though. Like that should be worth a multi-point game, in my opinion. But that is a battle I will not win. Uh, let's get into today's plays, though, courtesy of our friends at Points by Canada, live in Ontario. Need to plug that once again. Head over to any of our social media feeds and find yourself a nice sign-up link with a bonus from Points Bet tonight. I'm starting with that matchup at the bottom. This is a very good spot for the Calgary Flames. They've been banged up a little bit recently, not playing great hockey, just 5-3-2 and in their last 10. So I should say by their standards, maybe not playing great hockey. This is a good bounce back spot for them. The Anaheim Ducks have one win in their last 13 games. That one win came against the Arizona Coyotes, so it barely counts in my opinion. Um, And the Ducks have also failed to cover the puck line in six of their last 12 losses. I love the Flames in this spot. Anaheim's coming off a 6-1 loss to the Oilers as well. I think the Flames should have no problem taking care of Anaheim in Anaheim tonight. My second play in this one hinges on Ville Husso being the starter for the Blues. If it's Bennington, I'm not touching it. If it's Husso, I'm going with the Blues puck line as well at plus 110. I, I just think there's a ton of value here on a strong home team in St. Louis taking on a subpar opponent. And if St. Louis goes with their number one guy, I'm all over the puck line at plus 110. And I'm actually going into this matchup a little bit further to get to my playoff or my player props for today. I'm starting with a Robert Thomas assist, as you can see at the bottom there. Paying plus 115, which is insane considering he's hit this thing in five of his last six games. He also has a total of seven assists in that span. He's been an assist machine this year. Plus 115 is a really good payout, especially when you consider the opposition. And actually, when I was looking up the Robert Thomas prop, that Brandon Saad one caught my eye as well. Paying out a very juicy plus 180. He's hit this in four of his last five as well. So I like both of these spots both in the plus money range. I like the Blues to beat the Kraken, get the offense going, and I like Saad and Thomas to pick up an assist, and I also like the Flames to cover the puck line, Frank. Tyler, I'm not sure anyone has realized around the league how good of a season Robert Thomas has had. 59 points in 59 games this season, and as you mentioned, uh, 44 of those being assists, so he's been an absolute monster in the assist department this season for the St. Louis Blues. A big reason why They're one of the contenders to come out of the West. Thank you, Tyler. We'll keep an eye on those bets and keep an eye on the starting goalies page on dailyfaceoff.com for the latest in terms of who is starting for the Blue Note tonight. That brings us to Garbage Time with Matt Larkin. Matt, the floor is yours. What's caught your eye around the hockey world? Okay, Frank, I'm going to use my hands in mime. This is me reopening a case file because the case was supposedly closed on the Vezina trophy all season long. 
we've been anointing Igor Sesterk in the winner, putting him in the Hart Trophy discussion. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's the Vezina winner anymore. We've seen the play slip a little bit since the start of March, 909 save percentage in 12 games. We know this is by far the biggest workload of his career, already started 45 games. He's blown past his previous career high. We know he plays an athleticism-based style, very quick, probably quickest goalie in the league. So it is taxing on the body. He's starting to wear down. And now we're seeing the field starting to catch up with him. Freddie Anderson, Carolina, leads the league in goals against average. He's third in save percentage. We know Jacob Markstrom, Calgary Flames, having a, a phenomenal season as well. Nine shutouts leading the NHL. UC Saros is right there, the busiest goaltender in the league. I think he started something like 58 games already. He's right there in wins. We know in the past there's been a bit of a wins bias among Vezina voters, the general managers of the NHL. So I think now we've got an actual dogfight for the Vezina. I still think it's just Starkins to lose. If you look at the sort of statistics about his workload, degree of difficulty. He's had one of the harder workloads in the league. You have to factor that in to his amazing overall numbers. But to me, it's up for grabs. I think whichever goaltender from that group I mentioned has a better final 10 or so games, they could win the Vezina. Are we in danger, Matt, if that indeed happens and someone else steps up and claims the Vezina that we've fallen victim to some recency bias? Because Chesterkin for 60 to 65 games this season, was kind of the clear far and away choice given some of those underlying metrics. It's not just workload and games played, but it's also been the degree of difficulty, as you said, point well made, high danger chances, high danger save mm-hmm. percentage. Like He's been unbelievable on a team that gives up a lot and has been a huge reason for their success. To think that those 60 games could maybe get wiped away for the last 20, I don't know. How do you feel about that? I'm not too worried about recency bias because to me, the argument I'm making is less about Shesterkin losing the award because of his his mini funk. It's more about the other guys catching up with their full season numbers, right? If you look at what I'm citing, you know, Jacob Markstrom, his season long numbers are sparkling, leading the NHL in shutouts. So if you're comparing the entire body of work from October to end of April with those other candidates and they're kind of catching up to Shesterkin, I think you have to at least give them a shot. I still think Shesterkin's the guy because going again back to that degree of difficulty he's been phenomenal and he's been the reason the rangers are where they are but i just don't think we can say it's over anymore yeah well i mean hey i'm all for watching how all these races develop i have no idea what to do with my heart trophy ballot it's going to be a really tough thing to sort out before the end of april matt great uh, great show today great job uh thank you to tyler uremchuk as well and chris peters as well as our technical producer alex allard that's a wrap for the daily face-off show today keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news insight and analysis from around the nhl you know where to find us we'll be back here right again tomorrow 12 12 noon eastern we'll talk to you then have a great day everyone Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.